Father, we just uh, thank you, Father, for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for another day in the land of the living, another opportunity, Lord, to come to your throne of grace to obtain, Father, mercy, Lord, and even as we meditate upon your word, pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Father, we just need you to speak to us, O Lord, to reassure us continuously every day of our lives that you are for us. In Christ Jesus, O Lord, you are for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Father, that is the place from which we function. That is the place from which we work. We work from rest and we do not work for rest, Lord. I pray, Father, that even as we meditate upon your word, these things will become more and more clearer in our hearts. We'll be strengthened in our inner man with might and with power, O Lord. And that inner man will become stronger and stronger and will become a part of our character. And our daily decisions, O Lord, will be based upon it, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Come at this time of meditation into your hands. Anoint us, even in our speaking and in our hearing. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. God is good. Okay, that is what we've been looking at uh, on last on Sunday. And we will continue the thought if you turn from your Bibles to Numbers chapter 23. And we will read a few verses uh, uh, to... Look at a few things uh, about who are who we are in Christ. I'm reading from verse 18 onwards uh, of Numbers chapter 23. Then he took up his oracle. This is uh, Balaam. He took up his oracle. Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said? And will he not do, or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless, he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. So we looked at that fact that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, and what God has begun in our lives, he is faithful to complete it. We are not only uh, saved by God, we are also kept by the power of God. We are saved by his power. We were powerless to save ourselves, but we are also kept by His power. That is that is the hope, in, because in and ourselves, we cannot keep ourselves. If you turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 7. It's a very interesting proverb in different renderings. <clears throat> it says, uh, in, in the New Living Translation, it says, The hope of the wicked dies with them because they rely on their own strength. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 7. Okay, the hope of the wicked dies with them because they rely upon their own strength. Okay, so uh, 11 7, this is, but for, for us it is not like that. Okay, we have our hope because our, it is not in our own strength. It is on the keeping power of God. He is the one who called us and therefore he keeps us. And that is what we, we call as walking by faith. Okay. Now let us look at verse 21 as to why um, he is able to do it. Verse 21 it says, he, is, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen any wickedness in Israel. The Lord, his God is with him and the shout of the king is among them. 
God brings them out of Egypt. He has a strength of a wild ox. Okay. And if you read the entire account of the, of the numbers and Deuteronomy, you'll, you'll see one phrase coming over and over again. It says, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt with a mighty arm, with an outstretched arm, right? And if you read it in your in the local language in the Telugu, it says, Ehovatana Bahu Balamuto Manalne what does it mean? He is the ultimate Bahubali, in other words. Okay, he with his remarkable strength, he brought us up out of Egypt. And he says the same God with his remarkable strength who brought us up out of Egypt is also able to keep up, keep, keep us in that straight and narrow path by his strength and by his power even as we walk uh, in obedience to him. But the point is, how is he able to do that? The verse 21 says, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob. Now, I, 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 verse 23, let's just finish uh, the, 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 uh, the, the parable of, uh, sorry, the or of Balaam, for there is no sorcery against Jacob, there is no divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and Israel, Oh, what the Lord has done. Boy, this is remarkable, isn't it? Look, a people rises like a lioness and itself and itself uh, and it lifts itself like a lion, it shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. If you look at this entire passage, you have two parts in these verses. First, the plans that God has for us and second part the ha- the harm the enemy intends to us the plans that god has for us and the harm that enemy intends for us and the enemy always intends harm the enemy has come to steal and to kill and to destroy he has no good intentions for us okay nothing about him is good okay no good in- intentions for us thus if you look at this entire uh, passage, there are at least nine things. No, he has found no iniquity in Jacob. He has found no in, uh, wickedness in Israel. The Lord is with him. Three, the shout of a king is among them. Four, God brings them out of Egypt. He has a strength of an ox. Five, no sorcery against Jacob. Six, no divination against Israel. Eight, oh, what the Lord has done, like a lion. Nine, he will devour his. Pray. Nine things. I'm not going to look at all of the, all, all of those things, but one thing I want to look at is that God has got plans for us, and those plans are good. Okay, we need to convince ourselves every time. That is the gospel. What, so, what does he say? He found he finds what no iniquity in Jacob. So, I looked at I looked at different translations to get an understanding of this, as to what this iniquity is all about. This is the Berean Standard Bible. Okay. This is what the Berean Study Bible. It says, He considers no disaster for Jacob. He sees no trouble for Israel. The Lord, their God, is with them and the shout of the king is among them. New Living Translation. No misfortune is in his plan. Whose plan? God's plan for Jacob. Okay, no trouble is in store for Israel. For the Lord, their God, is with them. He has proclaimed to be their king. What is that one thing we need to realize? We need to realize that God does not have plans to punish us. See, the word iniquity is very interesting. It has two parts. Iniquity means lawlessness or guilt. Okay? And there is also another part, a punishment which accompanies the guilt. That is the reason why Cain says, my iniquity, other translations in Genesis, it says, my punishment is too much for me to bear. The first same word, iniquity. God is not punishing us. Doesn't intend to punish us. Okay. He intends to, he has plans to, Jeremiah chapter 
You don't have to go there. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. I have plans to what? Prosper you. Not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future and an expected end. One of the things that we always think most of the time, God doesn't intend good for me. He does not intend good for me. And if he intends good for me, why am I going through this? We'll come to that later. But that is the reason why he he prospers. He gives rain to the just and to the unjust. Look at this a very interesting passage in Acts chapter 14 verse 14 onwards. Acts chapter 14 verse 14 onwards. And I'm going to read it in my Bible. You can follow it in your Bibles too. This is when Paul and uh, Barnabas are preaching to these guys. Uh, and uh, and then they try to make them make them gods and they try to sacrifice to them. And this is what Paul and Barnabas say. And verse 14 onwards, when, when, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their garments and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all the things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave them without a witness. In that, he did what? Good. Gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. You know what he gave? He prospered us by so with a hope that at least in the prosperity, you will find the reason as to why you are prospering and find find God. You know, I have found out in many, many people who are very successful, you know, very, very successful people, one of the things that they often realize is that their success is not just because of their talent. And because they realize that they have got a lot of success, they want to do good. You see, many, many successful people, if you think think about uh, uh, Bill Gates, he has got the Bill Gates Foundation. If you think about Roger Federer, he's got Roger Federer Foundation. If you think about Rafa Nadal, he's got a Rafa Why do they do all these things? Because they know they've, they've been blessed beyond measure and they want to, you know what, somehow ease their conscience. They don't want to f- find God. They want to do good and feel good about themselves. But God says, I have given you goodness in your lives. Perhaps you will find me. Psalm 145 verse 9. Look at this beautiful verse. This is what Cyril also you know, talked about some time back. He says, Psalm 145 verse 9, it says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. His entire creation, he has con- he's got compassion. You see? That is the reason why it is because of the, uh, if you don't have to turn there, Lamentations will say, it is because of the mercies of God we have not been com- consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they are new. Every morning great is your faithfulness. That is good. God is good. God is good. Some, you got to keep on saying, say to yourself, God is good. Reiterate it again. God is good. God is good to me. Absolutely. Okay. So, so, see, this is essentially the attribute of God that Moses always appeals to. You know, when uh, when the children of Israel mess up, you know, what is the attribute of God uh, Moses appeals to? You don't have to turn there. Listen, this is Exodus chapter 32. Then the Lord pleaded with Moses. Uh, sorry, then, uh, then Moses pleaded with the Lord. Sorry. <laughs> actually, actually, you know what? When God said okay to Moses, you know why he said okay to Moses? Because it was in his heart to forgive his people. Okay. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 32 verse 11 onwards. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of Egypt? Did you bring them out of Egypt to kill them, Lord? 
so that your anger can turn against them. No. With your great power and with a mighty hand, Bahubali. Okay? He was, you, because you became the Bahubali in their lives to destroy them? No. Why should the, look at what he says. Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out of Egypt to what? To harm them. To destroy them. To punish them. This is Exodus chapter 32 verse 12. To harm them, to kill them in the mountains, to consume from them from the face of the earth. Lord, you, your name is at stake, Lord. You did not save these people to destroy them. You, you did not save us to, to destroy us and to kill in the wilderness. You are a good God. I appeal to that attribute of you, of yours. Not once, several times. Look at this, this, this is when they want, they don't, they, they are stubborn people. They don't want to enter into the promised land. This is in Numbers chapter 14 verse 15 onwards. This is what Moses again will appeal to God. It says, verse 15 on, if you kill these people as one man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, they deserve, okay, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak saying, because the Lord was not able to bring the people or to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them. $11. But Lord, your intentions are not those, right? Your intentions were only to bless your people and to prosper them. Lord, I'm appealing to that. And you know what the Lord said? And now I pray, this is verse 17, and now I pray, uh, the, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of these people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from the Egypt and even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. What a, I mean, of course, you know, he didn't allow them to enter into the promised land, but he didn't consume them in the wilderness too. He punished them. He disciplined them, but he did not punish them. He always intended good for them. God intends my good. Say that again. Okay. Why does, so that is every time when we look at ourselves, we should always say, Lord, it is in spite of me, you are good to me. That is the reason why it says the goodness of God leads us to what? Repentance. See, you will never, ever, ever uh, be led to repentance by looking at the punishment of God. You actually run, want to run away. It is only the cross that brings us to repentance. So three reasons he gives. He says, it is not because of you. It is because of who I am. Look at what it says in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Actually, verses 6 onwards. It says, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6, uh, 6 onwards. For you are a people to the Lord your God. Okay? You are a people to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. So what does it mean? I intend what? Good for you. No. Then when you look at, look at that and say, okay, fine. God is intending good for me because I am good. No. Look at what he says. The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you are more in number than any other people. Okay, you are not majority. You are absolute minority. Okay, for you are the least of all the peoples, but because the Lord, what? Loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh. You see, again and again he reiterates, why did I bring you out? Not because you were good. Because I love you. Because I am good. And if I have brought you out, I did not bring you out to destroy you, but to intend good for you. Again, reason two, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 4 onwards. 
Are you there? Okay, it says, do not think in your heart of the Lord your God has cast them out because of what? My righteousness. Ah. It is because of my righteousness the Lord has brought me in the, into the, into the land, into this land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the upright of, uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations. And then, therefore, understand verse 6, therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good and land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a what, what people? You are a stiff-necked, stubborn people. In spite of that, I am good to you. And if you are good, if I am good to you, in spite of the fact that you are stiff-necked and stubborn, do I intend bad for you or do I intend good for you? What? You intend good for me, right? And again, reason number three. Again, reason, not reason number three, another place. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17, uh, 17 to 18. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. See, all, where do you say? You always say in your heart. Okay. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to gain wealth. It is not because of your power. It is not because of your strength. That is the reason why Romans chapter 5 will say, when we were without strength, when we were ungodly, when we were enemies, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. So when he did that, when we were such terrible people, does he intend harm for us or does he intend good for us? No. He intends good. By the way, even in your most, I wrote this down, even in your most rebellious state, when he has given you over to a debased mind, you know what God says? I was hoping that you would come to the end of yourself and you will search me out. You see, have, if you if you look at the book of Romans, because they rejected the truth of God for a lie, God gave them over to a debased mind, vile affections, etc. Now think about it. If they did not see it fit to choose God in them, I mean to seek to choose God, should not have God immediately consumed them? No, He doesn't do that. You see, even in our most rebellious state, you know what God intends. In all your search, I'm hoping that in all of your search, you will come to the end of yourself and you will find me. He is the word, one man called, you know, he wrote a 183 line poem called The Hound of Heaven. He's a hound. Even in our own most rebellious time, this is the, this, the reason why I'm saying this is because you know, I see in my own life the struggle. What do I want to do? I want to please God to gain His approval. God said, I've already given, I, I've already accepted you in my beloved. You don't have to work for, for love. You have to work because I've already loved you. That's the gospel. Okay. So there's one, this, this one, one man called Solomon who left God and he tried everything under the sun. And he said everything is meaningless, 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 meaningless. And the entire thesis of the chapter is to find meaning in meaninglessness. Okay. Everything is vyardham, 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 vyardham lo ardham gan kolarbanam. We have to find ardham in vyardham. And what does he say? It is better to be wise than to be a fool. But what is the use of all this? What happens to the wise man also happens to the fool. What is the point of uh, running for justice and righteousness? What happens to the wicked also happens to the 
you know why? He has completely forgotten. And what has happened? He came to the end of himself and he says, conclusion of this matter in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Look at what he says. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1. Remember what? Your creator in the days of your youth. Now obviously uh, all the young people will say very very happy is talking about me. But what about the other people? Let me tell you what this word youth actually signifies. Youth signifies, remember the days, I mean you are created in the days of your youth. Youth signifies a time in which you can seek God. Whatever be the time. For uh, for Moses, it was 80 years old. <laughs> okay. And for you and me, it could be, and for all of you young children, it could be, by the time you are 5 years, you should see God. I mean, actually, 3 years also, you should see God. Okay. Look at what it says. You turn me, turn there, turn there to, uh, uh, so turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm going to show you some certain things there, okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Okay, remember you are created in the days of the youth and look at what it says. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say I have no. Okay, and I saw so many young people coming to this point. I don't have any pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return from the ra- after the rains. In other words, all these bad things are going to happen before that. Read verses 6 and 6 to 8. Somebody can read it. Very, very nice. Yeah, read it, somebody. In a simple translation. Maybe uh, Abel can read it. Yeah. The silver cord is loosed. The bowl is broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the dust will return to its earth and the and verse 8, everything is meaningless. You see, if you, so, see, what, what has happened to this man? This man was trying to find pleasure in every other thing except God and God gave him over so that at one point in his life, he will come to the end of himself and he say, you know what? The end of the matter is this, fear the Lord and keep his commandments. You see, he doesn't, I mean, that's a remarkable thing. About, about God. That is, he's good. He's intending good even when he has given him over. God's judgments. Let me tell you this. God's judgments are not punitive, but redemptive so that you may experience his goodness. God's judgments are what? Not punitive. They don't, they don't want, he's not punishing us. He wants to redeem us. That is the reason why he says, I don't see any iniquity in Jacob. Why is he able to do that? Because he suffered for our iniquity. It says in Isaiah chapter 53, for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by by his stripes we are healed. Okay. He bore our punishment. So if you turn with me now to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 onwards, it says, look at says, look at what he says. When uh, God is, you know, disciplining Israel, okay, he's sending them to Captivity for 70 years. And look at what he says, even in captivity. Why is he judging them? Uh, Verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill, you know what my translation says? I will fulfill my good 
promise to bring you back to this place. What do I intend? Good. Verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That is the reason why I am sending you even to Babylon, to captivity. And what happened to these fellows in Babylon? They hung their harps and they sat down by the rivers of Shinar and they said, how can we sing the songs of Zion? It is remarkable, isn't it? And those guys were, oh, you sing, God is good all the time. No, sing that song, sing that song. They were mocking them. I wish they should have taken the harp and sang, sang the song. That would have been faith. Yes, you see what I'm going through right now, but you know why God is doing it? Because He intends good for me. Okay. Most believers, you know what, they, what? When they're going through struggle, when they're going through problems, what they do is they run away from church. Instead of singing to God, they run away from God. Because they don't understand God's judgments are not punitive, they are redemptive. We know these things over and over. We have to reiterate it to ourselves. God is good all the time. That is the gospel. When we were yet sinners, when we were without strength, when we were ungodly, when we were enemies of God, He died for us. Okay, and if He has died for us when we were enemies, how much more when we were when we are being reconciled to God, He will fulfill His promises and purposes in our lives. Okay, so we look at one young man. I think he's young, who understood this. Okay, who understood in a very interesting way. Turn to Judges chapter 6 and we will we'll go through this chapter. Very famous story of Gideon. Simple lessons, but in simplicity there is so much of power. Okay, let us look at some simple lessons from the life of Gideon. Let's look, read from Judges chapter 6 verse 1. Okay. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Medianites. What did God do? He gave them over. Okay. What does median mean? Strife. Okay. He did, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And what happened? Because the power of median was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Medianites, Amalekites and other eastern peoples invaded the country and took it. In other words, they are making a lot of money and everything is getting devoured. I was listening to Derek Prince in the morning. <laughs> there was one very one lady uh, uh, who, you know, uh, she corresponded him through letter those days, and she said, um, "I think I believe my husband is under some kind of a curse." And uh, and he said, "Why? Why? What? Do, what does your husband do? Uh, he actually owns a he owns a, a business which makes ten million dollars in a year." And his take-home salary is one million dollars a year, and we don't, we hardly make ends meet. Okay, ten million dollars a year is your annual income, and my take-home salary—I mean, sorry, annual uh, uh, turnover of the business—and my take-home salary is one million dollars a year, and we hardly make ends meet. And you know what, Derek Prince says, "I'm sure you are under a curse." You know why? Something is happening, nothing is sufficient. It doesn't matter how much you make, nothing is sufficient. You make 5,000 rupees, it's not sufficient. You make 10,000 rupees, it's not sufficient. You make more money, it's still not sufficient. Everything, I mean, it's like, literally, it doesn't matter how much you make, it's still hand to mouth. 
Wait, you did you experience that? So exactly what is, is what Israel is experiencing. Then all the crops that they do and what is happening, these Midianites and all these Amalekites and the people from the east are coming like grasshoppers and devouring their land. You know what happened? They camped on the land, verse 4, and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. Nothing. Even donkeys also they took. Okay. They came up with their livestock and in their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. And verse 6, Midian was so impoverished that the Israelites... Uh, impoverished the Israelites that they cried to the Lord for help. Look at this. Underline, gave them into their hands and underline, they cried to the Lord for help. Why did God allow these judgments? Are they punitive or are they redemptive? Redemptive. So that they will cry to the Lord. And why does God allow those things to come into our lives? So that we will cry to the Lord. How many of us have actually seen in prosperity we cry out to the Lord? Very difficult, no? Very, very difficult. You see all the rich people in this world. How many of you say, my goodness, I'm so rich. Lord, you must be good to me. Only one guy in the entire Bible who did that was Job. We said, oh, yo, my children, they might have done something wrong in their hearts when they are parting from one house to another. Oh, that keeps happening in our home. One, one from one house to another, we keep on going, parting and parting and parting. And people like Job will say, Lord, my children might have done it and they are offering. There was only one rich man. In this entire Bible who cried out to the Lord because he was rich. And you hardly see any, any rich people who are crying out to the Lord because they are rich. And this is what God is doing. He is, what is he doing? He is allowing a crisis to come into their lives so that he could what? Restore them. So what does he do? So look at this. God gave them, in Romans chapter 1 you will see this. God gave them over so that they may cry out to him and seek him. And then what does he do? First what does he do? You know what he, what he does? If first he does not send them Anything he sends them a prophet. Isn't it interesting? He gives you a message. If you are going through a problem, you know what God sends into your life? A message. A prophet. You are crying God for help and God sends you a prophet. You are crying out for uh, deliverance, God, God sends you teaching. I will tell you why. Because teaching and deliverance are inherently, con- intricately connected. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel, please. Chapter 5. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Please. <clears throat> in your Bibles. Different places I will show you, but I want to look at one interesting passage in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Verse 17 only. Verse 17 only. Somebody can read it. One day he was teaching. Underline teaching. Okay, in your Bible. One day he was teaching. teaching. Yes. And there were some Pharisees. Mm-hmm. 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 Who had come from every village from mm. Galilee, mm-hmm. from Judea, mm. from Jerusalem, mm. and the power of the Lord was present toward you. Oh, oh my goodness! The power of the Lord was present there to perform what? Yeah. What was their first teaching? And then there was what? Power of the Lord. You see, you can you cannot Im- see what is the reason why these healing ministries and uh, deliverance ministries will not work without teaching. That is the reason why I like deliverance because first you teach us. And once you have accepted the teaching by faith, what do you have? There is a power. And in other words, every time you come to a Bible study, what is available there? Power. Do you believe that? So, in order to restore people, what God is sending? He is sending a prophet. He is sending a message. 
another place i, I, I like that to go turn to mark's gospel chapter 1 please mark's gospel chapter 1 <clears throat> are you there verse 29 onwards uh huh mm-hmm. oh sorry 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 not not 29 uh, verse uh, 21 yeah sorry 21 sorry 21 Mm-hmm. Okay, by the way, when you read the entire book of Mark, you know what's the one word which is repeating? Immediately. It's off. It's like bullet points. Okay, that's the reason why they call bullet points. Okay, immediately did this, immediately did that, immediately did this. So immediately went into the synagogue and began to do what? He was teaching, underline teaching again. Okay, and then verse 25. Yeah, read it, bro. Somebody can read it. Verse 25. And he rebuked the what? The evil spirit. Okay. Okay. Verse 25. And rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him, crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And verse 27. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What is this? Who said what is this first? The children of Israel. When they said, looked at Manna, what they said? What is this? These people also said, what is this? And look at what is, how they qualify, what is this? A new teaching with authority. What does he do? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. You see how uh, priceless and, uh, forget the word, you don't, you can't do without teaching, in other words. There is no deliverance without teaching. So in order for them to be delivered, you know what God is sending first? He sends teaching with not normal teaching, he sends a prophetic word. What is prophetic word? A, a word which has got authority. And how you respond to the prophetic word dip, uh, will determine your deliverance. Because, you see, God's, God is what? Again say, God is good to me. His punishments, his, his judgments are not punitive, they are redemptive. Okay. And then what happens? They, they, they this, this prophet comes and look at what he says. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out, uh, because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. What did they say? Who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt from the horde of bondage. You know what first the prophet rem- reminds you? He reminds you of what? God's goodness again. Remember the time when you were in bondage? When you cried out to God because of the taskmaster's whips on your backs? Did I not send a deliverer to you? And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of your of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave them their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. In other words, you know what the, the prophetic word comes? It reminds you of God good, God's goodness. It, res, it reminds you of a response to God's goodness and it brings conviction of sin. So that he can bring you back to repentance and uh, restoration. You see? Thank God, no, for teaching. Which brings conviction. Thank God for teaching which brings conviction. Judges chapter 6, let's move on. Then who came? Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. I know if you read in your Bibles, the word angel, in my Bible at least, angel is with a small a or a capital A. In your Bible, Bible it is capital A. 
So many people think it's uh, Jesus Christ pre-incarnate uh, whatever uh, visitation okay now the angel of the lord came under and sat under the terebin tree which was in ophrah which belonged to joash the abiezrite while his son gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the midianites so there's one guy with little faith okay very little faith he's threshing in the winepress okay and the angel of the lord appeared to him and said to him the lord is with you O mighty man of valor. This is what we call as the power of speaking something into your life. Okay. What is the Lord with you? Oh, the Lord is with you. O mighty man of valor. Where are you? Hiding in the wine press, threshing. And he says, Lord is with you, you mighty man. And he's looking. Who's that mighty man? You. You. Extremely fearful person, Gideon. I mean, that is actually his undoing also. It becomes his downfall later on, but we're not going there. Extremely fearful. I think God chooses the most extremely fearful to do the most mightiest of deliverance because it comes, I mean, you'll see this, uh, his own confession later on. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, very interesting confession. Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then all this has, ah, that's exactly what everybody asks, no? if the Lord is with me, if he is good to me, why am I going through all this? Is he punishing me? Okay. <laughs> Somebody said, no, uh, he went to this uh, soothsayer, Jyotishya. Okay. And the Jyotishya looked at his hand and he said, for 40 years you will have trouble. And uh, the Josh, <laughs> he looked at the Jyotish and he said, so after 40 years, what will happen? You will get used to them. <laughs> you see, that is what the people in the world can promise you. They will tell your future and you will say you will get used to them. Don't worry. God is not like that. Okay. Why a lot? Why, why am I going through all these customs? Why, Lord? Why do I do? Why don't I see the silver lining in the sky? <laughs> okay, think about it. Now, this is what he says, Lord. If I am going, if I am really, if you are with us, Lord, if you are for us, if you are, we are the beloved of God. If you don't see any iniquity in Jacob, why, Lord? Why am I going through all this? And then look at what he says. And where are all the miracles which our which our fathers told us about, saying, "Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt?" But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, "Go in this might of yours. Where is the might, Baba? And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you?" Wow, that is God. Okay, look at all of you, okay? Look at your offices as one place where God has sent you. And what do you find in office? Midianites. What is Midianites? Strife. Okay. Have you seen healthy work environments? No. Dr. Richard confesses no. Doctor ke dikkula the king Okay, so I told I told Doctor Richard, Doctor Doctor Richard, once you are a doctor, you are doctor for life. For us, we will be keep changing professions: teacher, professor, uh, pastor, carpenter. Everything will happen. But for you, it is set for life. I mean, I wanted to become a doctor, but something else happened to me. Okay, because of my mother. Okay. 
Si Pino Sai said, I want to do MBBS, he said, no, 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 no. Whatever, okay, but God is good. <laughs> See, re- re- really, you know, because I was so crazy about biology, I bi-hearted the entire biology textbook. Seriously, I, I, I used to take, take biology tuitions for 10th class students while I was doing 10th class. Okay, so but then things changed, okay. <laughs> so, so this is this is what he says. You see, is you mighty man of valor, and you go to your workplaces. Do you see any any? You do you see anybody saying, "Oh, you're such a good Christian"? Come, there's always strife. There's always opposition. There's always going to be opposition. And if you are an authentic believer, let me tell you, it will there will be opposition in your workplace. And you know what? Through that minefield, you will find paper people from which you will find favor. But you have to believe that. You have to believe that. But in order for you, for you, for you to be sent, something has to happen to this guy. So he said, he complains, verse 15. So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Good confession. Can you save Israel? Impossible. Look at you. Are you talented? No. Do you have all the credentials? No. Look at his credentials. Look at what he says. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, but I thank God that he is in Manasseh. On which side of Manasseh? This side of Manasseh. Not on that side of Manasseh. Half tribe here. Who chose to be a part of God's people. Okay. So indeed my clan is weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. Thank God. This, You know what? God is not saying, okay, no, 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 no. Don't say like that, brother. No, 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 no. You should not say like that. You should have some kind of a self-respect. No. Okay, no, he's not saying that. He says, yes, you're right. You are the least. You are the weak. You are a fool, basically. You are lucrative. You are trembling. And I'm still calling you a mighty man of valor. Meaning what? This is Christian life. Okay. It is, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, not because in our own strength. Impossible. Okay. Look at what he says. And he says, indeed my clan is weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. This is what we call genuine confession. Genuine. You can say, Lord, I am weak, Lord. And you know what, you're not, this is not false humility. See, there's a lot of difference between, uh, aham. You know, aham in Telugu is ego. Okay. Aham is pride. There is aham and there is atma gauravam. You know what atma gauravam means? Self-respect. Okay. Children of God should have self-respect and they should not have aham. Jesus was the most meekest man, he had a lot of self-respect. Okay. Uh, problem with believers is that <laughs> they have a lot of aham, but no self-respect. That is very subtle. Lot of ego is there, but there is no... But God is not like that. No, we, we don't go with a begging bowl. No. We are sons of God. Okay, so this is genuine humility. Okay, so don't confuse genuine humility with, like pastor says, there's a difference between servility and humility. We are not servile, we are humble. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength. It's power. Okay. Alright, let's move on. So, then, indeed my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house and the Lord said to him, shh, 
surely I will be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites as what? As one man. I'll tell you what I get from this. God is in the process of making us all one man. Go to Psalm 86 verse 11 please. You should know this by now. Did you see? We should know it. Eighty-six verse eleven. Yeah, yeah, teach me your way, Lord. Yes, sister, you can read it. Teach me your way, Lord. Uh huh. Uh huh. Unite my heart. Unite my heart. Make me one. In other words, I don't want to vacillate between two opinions. One opinion about me, about about me from the world, and one opinion about me from God. I want to completely rest in your opinion about me. Can I do it? Can I not do it? Can I do it? Can I not do it? When God said you can do it, you will be able to do it. Period. Sin shall not, everybody say that. Sin shall not have dominion over us because we are no longer under the law but under grace. Is it a promise? Yes, it is a promise. So if if sin shall not have dominion, sin will not have dominion. Period. It's a promise. Okay. So, let's move on. Verse 17, then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that, that it is you who talk with me. In other words, you know what? He wants to have this assurance that God is for me. And you know what? We need to all seek for that assurance. And what is that one thing that separates us from God? And everybody knows. What is it? Sin. Okay. Sin in your heart. Separates us. Your iniquities have separated me from you so that you are, you are not able to do what you are supposed to be doing. And my hand is not shortened over your life. It is shortened only because of your unbelief. Okay. So, so do not depart from me, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. Isn't God amazing? I will wait until you come back. This is how God deals with us. Gentle savior. Okay, so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and, unle- uh, and unleavened bread from uh, from an ephah flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebin tree and he presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so and the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out from where? From the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Who was the first fellow who saw angel of the Lord face to face? Jacob. And what happened to Jacob at that time? He saw angel of the Lord face to face and he said, Lord, I am, this is what I am. And look at what it says, verse 23. The Lord said to him, peace be with you, do not fear, you shall not. Ah, you see that? Peace be with you. What is God speaking over his life? Peace. And look at what it says in verse 24. Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. In other translations will say, Yehovah. Shalom. To this day, it is still in opera of the Abarites. What, what does it mean? It means, you know what? Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Somebody somebody read it, please. Romans chapter 5. You should be knowing by this time. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Okay. 
Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now what God is saying? I have taken away your sin. First, he has to deal with sin in our hearts before he can use us. In other words, Gideon, what you confessed about yourself is absolutely true. In order for me to use you, first thing I have to do, in order for me to use you and to be with you, I should justify you. Okay. Romans chapter 5 verse 11, please. Romans chapter 5 verse 11. Somebody can read it. Romans chapter 5. More than that. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Other translations use, use the word atonement. God has atoned for us. Our iniquity has been taken away. And what is now separating us between God and God and man has been removed. Now we have peace with God. Now God is with you. Alright. See, God will not ask Gideon to do one thing. Okay. He will not ask him for one act of obedience before he justifies him. You see that? Not even one act of obedience is required before you are justified. You believe and you are justified. You understand what I'm saying? See, yesterday we, uh, we, we, we were studying in the in in, in, Rome, in the Romans Bible study. It says in, Rome, uh, in Matthew chapter five, "Blessed are the merciful, for for they shall obtain mercy." How do you read that word? God will show you mercy only when you show mercy to others. Is what many people say. If 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 it, if it is that if that is the case. Then our salvation is based upon me showing mercy first. Can we show mercy? In fact, we never showed mercy to receive salvation. We went to God to receive mercy. Now what God is actually saying, if you want to continue in that umbrella of mercy that you receive for me, you show mercy to others. That's exactly what happens in Matthew chapter 18, when this guy owns 10,000 talents and he's not able to give it back to that master. God, master says, I mean, he says to the master, have patience. And he forgives him. And now because he has received that forgiveness, he says, now go and show mercy to others. We don't show mercy first. We obtain mercy from God. And now if I have to continue in that umbrella of God's mercy, I have to keep on extending mercy to others. So that is how it is. Because we were enemies of God. When we were enemies, did we show mercy? If we were enemies of God, we were enemies of everybody else. Okay. When I got saved, I was a rebel at home. Okay, and once I got God said I came back home and I, and you started using the jhadu. I never used it before. You understand what I'm saying? We are, we, our obedience is after we are justified. It is not before we are justified. God is not asking Gideon to do one thing. First, he has to have peace with God first. And first, what does he do? He says, "You will not die. I am with you." And then he says, "This is." Lord is peace. Yehovah Shalom. He has peace with God. That is the reason why he says, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. But as the heaven is high above the earth, so great his mercy is toward us. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now, now comes the next part. This is the difficult part. Judges chapter 7, verse 25. <clears throat> now it came to pass, the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Think about it. Did he ask it to do it before he was justified? No. It is after you are justified. Okay? 
This is verse 25. Chapter 6, sorry. Chapter 6, verse 25, not 7. Chapter 6, verse 25. <clears throat> okay. And uh, take your, fa- your father's young bull, second bull of seven years, stay on the altar of Baal that was that your father has, uh, father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. And and build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of the rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood and the image of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much, he did not do it by day, but did it by night. Okay. What is what is the and what is the conclusion of the matter? Obey. Okay, obey. It doesn't matter how you are obeying. You can obey fearfully or fearlessly. Now, one man of God made a very interesting statement. Okay, think about all the people of Israel who are crossing the Red Sea. Okay, you will find two categories of people over there. Lord, you are doing it. Let's do it, man. Let's cross the Red Sea, and they're all going. And there'll be another category of people who will be saying. Will anything happen to me? Will anything happen to me? They're looking at the... But, whether they were fearful or whether they were fearless, as long as they obeyed and came out on the other side, they were safe. Okay. So, obey. Whether you fearfully obey or fearlessly obey. But, obey. Okay, I remember, no? When I was just finishing my university... We had to do what we call as uh, uh, no deuce form. <laughs> Remember, no deuce form. Okay. <laughs> so in the no deuce form, you have to give all your things back to the library. And there was one book which I borrowed, seven thousand rupees only, <laughs> which I forced my professor to order for me when I was doing my research, and misplaced. Now I was shivering. Now, what do I do? So I went. Either I have to pay that money from my from my pocket, or I have to go and you know plead with my professor. So I went downstairs to the librarian, and the librarian looked at me and he said, uh, "So this one book is missing." I said, "Okay, okay, wait, wait. I'm searching for it." Uh, and before he uh, he, uh, he asked me, um, uh, what are you doing, sir? After you finished your PhD, now you're going to US? I said, no, 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 I'm not going to go to US. I'm here. Right? Oh, he was surprised. Okay. So what are you going to do, sir? I said, uh, actually, um, going into the ministry. What is that? Uh, I'm becoming a pastor. He looked at me like that and he thought I was dead. His jaw dropped like that. You know, some, ayo. Okay, and then I said, no, I already confessed that I'm going to be a pastor now. What do I do with the book? (laughs) You see the dilemma, no? So I said, okay, I'm going to get the book somehow. Then I went to my prof, shivering. I said, sir. He looked at me and said, Vijay, what is it? Uh, sir, oh, 7,000 rupees wala manipulation book is gone. And he said, it's okay. Write it in our research account. <laughs> okay, sigh of relief. But still I was feeling bad. He said, this is not the way I should leave my lab. I should not leave a lab by putting a dent in my, my professor's pocket. 
I should do something. And I was praying. I said, Lord, do something. And you know, one of my colleagues, he actually came to my shelf and he took that book and he was studying it. He said, Vijay, what are you searching for? I'm searching for this book, Baba, this robotic manipulation. I don't know where it is. Vijay, it is with me. And he took it and he gave it to me. And I ran to the librarian and I gave it to him and he looked at me and he said, you know what, sir? Because you are going to the ministry, God has done this to you. <laughs> See, obey. Okay. Another time, I was, I mean, this is unbelievable, okay. I heard Zach Punan's message, no. He said, some people copy in their exams and after they came to the Lord, they returned a certificate to the university. I, then I remembered, you know, it's like, why did I listen to this message, Baba? (laughs) So, (laughs) why? And then I remembered Pradeep Sarkar. Copied in his exam. And I got an A. What did I get? A. So what do I do now? So I took the phone. Called. Sir, 2003 M-Tech batch. Vijay, ah, oh, I know, I remember I wrote your recommendation letter also. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> wrote me a recommendation letter too. And he said, sir, actually, sir, um, I copied in the exam and I got an A. I mean, I, I didn't, it's an open book exam. I took my French note, okay. Okay, that's a copy. I'm not trying to justify it, okay. So, um, and he said, so what do I do now? My heart is in my mouth. Sir, whatever you say. It's okay, forget it. <laughs> He put the phone down. You see, obey. You know what? I was saying, Lord, now what if they take away my M-Tech now? <laughs> what if, what if he says, come and return all the, all the certificates back to the university? What will, what is going to happen to me? But you know what? You have to take those risks. Obey. And finally, in my thesis, I mean, it's like this is one, one, what is, what do we call the hound of heaven, no? Finally, in my thesis, all the thesis I write in one line, I write just one, one statement, you know, I know it's a lie. <laughs> Out of the 105 pages of thesis I wrote, the thesis examiner has to zero in on that one sentence. Vijay, what is this? Ah, sir, oh, kar diya, sir, sir, after the examination was over, congratulations, Dr. Vijay Dagota. And my heart was, I can't enjoy this now. Why did he ask that question, no? And after a few days, I called his secretary. I said, Madam, this is Vijay from IIIT Hyderabad. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Professor Saha se baat karna hai. Saha, sir. Ha, Vijay, bolo kya hal hai? He also knows that I'm going to become a pastor. That's the problem. You see, that is my problem. Okay. I said, sir, that one line, galat hai. So, abhi kya karna chahiye? What do I do? Sir, ab jo bhi karenge, tiyo, thik hai. It's okay. Fuck. Put the phone down. You see, this is, I, I'm, I was, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say that God will always say, okay. Sometimes he might take your degree also. But you should be willing to take the risk. And this is exactly what Gideon did. You know why he did that? Because he knew that whatever God is intending for him to waste was good. He's not going to steal any joy from you. He intends good for me and therefore I will be. 
You understand this? You see, this is exactly what he's doing. God intends what? Good for me. He's not there to punish me. He's not there to put me down. No. He's, he's there to, to, to do, intend good for you. And I'm not boasting. I'll tell you something. After I finished my thesis, I had four guys from the top universities in the, in the world who were citing my work. Four guys from the top universities. One from Carnegie Mellon, one from University of Utah, and from another guy, another from you know, other university. Four guys from the top universities. And one guy, he did my work as his benchmark for his thesis. Itakota at all. Did this. For the next year. You honor God. God will honor you. Okay? So, let's move on. So, obey. Obey God. Whether you are fearlessly obeying or fearfully obeying, you obey God. You know what will happen? The moment you start obeying God in the little, little things, you know what? More and more fearlessness will come and you will become more and more obedient in the days to come. Alright? Verse 28 now. Before we go to verse 28, let's turn back to uh, Numbers chapter 23. <clears throat> <clears throat> Numbers chapter 23 and uh, verse 23. For there is no sorcery against Jacob, no divination against Israel. It must now be said of Jacob and Israel, Oh, what God has done. That's exactly his Gideon story. Oh, what God has done. This, this, Timid, fearful fellow, what has happened to him now? He is able to take upon an entire nation. And you stand against in rebellion. No, look at, let's, let's go back now to uh, Judges chapter 6 now. Let's read verse, verse 28 onwards. <clears throat> and I will end with this in a few minutes. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal turned down, to, to, toned down. And the wooden image that was beside it was cut down and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon the son of Joash had done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die because he has toned down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image of uh, image that was beside it. But Joash was all, uh, said to all who stood against him. Verse 31. Would you contend for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. For he is God. Let him plead for himself. Because his altar has been toned down. In other words, you know what they are saying? Okay, if Baal is really God, let him destroy Jake. Gideon. You know what his name is called after that? You know what Jerubal means? A man with whom Baal is indignant. Jerubal. A man with whom Baal is indignant. He is angry with you. What can he do to you? Nothing. Why? Because there is no sorcery against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Nothing. No power of darkness can touch you. You know why? Because this man has obeyed one commandment of God. And he is continuing to walk with God now. Nothing can touch you. No sorcery. No plan of the enemy. No weapon formed against you. As I chapter 54, you can do, you don't have to turn there. No weapon formed against you can prosper. And every lying tongue that is going to raise against you in judgment, who shall condemn? 
you shall condemn for this is our heritage of the servants of the Lord because our vindication is from him. That's exactly what happened to happened to Gideon. His vindication came from God and his also father also took a stand. But you know what? His name was become, had become Jerubal. In, in other words, he became a man with whom Baal is, uh, is indignant. You know what? The moment we start walking with God who is indignant with us. The enemy is indignant. But nothing he plans for us can, will come to pass in our lives. Because God always intends what for us? Good for us. Is he good? He is good. Does he intend good? Absolutely intends good. And therefore he takes us through, uh, takes us through a lot of processes and he's, he humbles us, he tests us whether to see we will put our dependence upon him or, or in our own strength. You see. But we don't fear. But obey. Even if you are fearfully obeying, obey. Okay. Fearfully, obey. Doesn't matter. But obey. And God will honor you. That's all I wanted to say this evening. Let's let's pray, no? I don't want to say more. Let's pray. You don't have to try to win God's approval. Okay, or acceptance. God has already accepted you. And this is the gospel. Gospel has got a particular order. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. And after you are saved, you obey Him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be accepted. And after you are accepted, you will be, you will obey Him. And the false gospel will say, Obey Him, believe in Him, and then He will accept you. No way. Psalm 16 verse 2 will say, Lord, my goodness does not extend unto you. I have said to my God, you are my Lord and I have no other master other than you. And when we obey God, we become Jerubals. But nothing of the enemy can touch us because there is no sorcery and no divination against Jacob and against Israel. And we will say, look what the Lord has done. Father, this evening, I pray, Father, for assurance in our hearts. We will obey because you loved us first. Our obedience will be because we have been apprehended and been captivated by your love. We will obey because you died for us first. We love because you first loved us. We show mercy because we obtain mercy. We forgive because we have obtained your forgiveness. We, we walk in obedience and uh, we submit to our, to our elders and to our bosses, even in our workplace, even if our bosses are, are not good, because you showed us a path. And you suffered us, suffered on our behalf that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By your stripes, we are healed. We were all like sheep being scattered. But we have now come back and returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. We thank you, Father, for bringing us back into that fold. And we will say with David, the Lord is our shepherd. We will not want. He will make us to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the 
paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The mercy of God and the goodness of God will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That will be our confession. That will be our life. That will just not be a psalm that we will, that we will recite from memory but Lord, it will become a part of our lives, O Lord Jesus. And we will truly become Jerubal and we will not be afraid of the enemy uh, with whom a people with whom Baal is indignant. But Lord, it will be said of us, Jesus I know and Paul I know and you know, you will know each and every one of us. It is not because of our intellect or it is not because of our righteousness. It is not because of our holiness, O oh Lord, that we will be able to fight the powers of darkness. It is because we have been justified because of your, your righteousness and because of your goodness, O oh Lord. And because we are in, in, in you, O oh Lord, in Christ, there is no condemnation. And therefore, Lord, we will say with the, with the hymn writer, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim my crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can this be that thou, my God, should die? For me, we thank you, Father. We praise you, and I pray, Father, for all of us. Even as we, we go through this 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 entire week, so many of us in the body of Christ not well. We come against the spirit of infirmity in the name of Jesus, and we speak healing into the bodies of all your children, O oh Lord. Even in our own church, O oh Lord Jesus, we rebuke the spirit of sickness in the name of Jesus. Release your children, O oh Lord, for the glory of God. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. We pray. Amen. Amen.